Shalom, Mishpacha. Shalom, family. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with the Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people. We're the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile. It's finally come down to form what Paul calls in the second chapter of the book of Ephesians, one new man. And this makes, according to Paul, a full dwelling place of God by his spirit. And I can, I, I, I can tell you that there is such openness among Jewish people. We're definitely in the last of the last days. We're definitely at the fullness of the Gentile age. And I've, I recently interviewed a friend of mine, and, and he was talking about that term, fullness of the Gentile age. And he said that's when the Gentile ch- Christians are understanding the revelation of God's word and doing what God told them to do. Uh, for instance, uh, Romans 11, 11 says salvation has come to the Gentile to provoke the Jew to jealousy. So I have a lot of Gentile Christian friends that say to me, oh, Sid, only a Jewish person can reach Jewish people. No, actually, technically, the Jew is called to reach the Gentile and the Gentile is called to reach the Jew. I have on the telephone someone that I've uh, admired from afar for many, many years. His name is Peter Gammons. Uh, And uh, Peter, when I was with you a number of years ago, you told me something that was so outrageous uh, that when you go to the Philippines, how many people can hear you at an evangelistic meeting? The largest crowd we ever had was four million in a single service. How can four million hear you? There's no speaker big enough. No, no. Well, we we, we faced that many years ago. We uh, have a radio tower at the side of the stage, and we broadcast live by radio, and everybody brings their radio to the services. We even broadcast live by television as well. Uh, Many people bring little portable battery television sets, and they sit around or stand around in in little family groups, and people will join in and listen if they don't have their own radio or their own television. And it stretches for uh, somewhere between four and six miles. Now, it's, this is not- Are you telling me there's a sea of humanity of four to six miles of people at your campaigns? Every single area. We even blocked the freeway. Uh, one year, the president had to leave his limousine and walk over half a mile because the crowd had blocked, the, gone and blocked the whole freeway. Usually the whole city is blocked to traffic uh, many hours beforehand because you, the, the traffic can't get through because there's so many buses, loads of people coming down. Okay, this begs the question. Why are all of these people coming out to, to hear you? Well, there's a number of answers to that question. I think the most important one is the the Holy Spirit is moving and where there's a hunger for God, uh, great things are happening. Yeah, yeah, but four million people, the Holy Spirit must be really moving in an outstanding fashion. Well, it started with a friend of mine uh, uh, called, called Brother Mike Velarde, who was a real estate man, and he bought some land, and uh, he started, it, it, the land he bought had a radio station, and he'd recently met with Christ, so he started preaching the gospel and his wife got very angry because she said, you're a businessman, you're not a preacher. Stop being a preacher and be a businessman. And he kept preaching. And 
Actually, for five years, she wouldn't even have dinner with him. She was so angry with him that he was preaching. And uh, although that wasn't publicly known until many years later. And one day he said, I can't fight my wife forever. He said, so he went on air and he said, I'm not going to be broadcasting anymore. But if anybody's listening, because he didn't even know if anyone was listening. He said, if anybody's listening to me, uh, come to the TV station Saturday morning. We'll have a service. And I'm going to decide then whether to carry on these broadcasts or not. Well, 10,000 people turned up, and that was the start of a move of the Holy Spirit that I'm privileged to be a part of. God has used me uh, very much in a prophetic ministry, not one-on-one prophecy to people, you know, the Lord's going to bless you or whatever, but prophesying to politicians and world leaders and prophesying to uh, key servants of the Lord at a particular point in their life. And we came across each other's path. What had happened was... Um, he had a team of 400 staff, and one night the Lord spoke to me, and he even gave me the names of members of staff that were about to try and split the whole movement. People were jealous hmm. of how it was growing and uh, decided that they were going to try and grab their own section of it. And, and I went to him, and I said, you're either going to say, say I'm crazy, or you're going to say this is God, because these are the names the Lord gave me that are causing problems and trying to split your organization. When he looked at the names, he said, this is God. And he called a meeting. of He said, can you address my staff? I said, when? He said, how about now? <laughs> called together all 400 of his staff, and, and over 200 of them came to him and repented, and he discovered all kinds of splits are about to take place. And through that, we became best friends, and, and he introduced me to the ministry, and it's grown since that time. I think it was the 26th anniversary um, this summer. And so two or three, usually three times a year, I'm in Manila, and we have anywhere between one and up to four million people gather at those services. Plus, of course, there's another 20 million watching live by television, according to the TV stations. All right. uh, Now, there's another thing that is I have to tell you, Peter, it's outrageous. If I didn't know you personally, I would have difficulty with this. But often, you'll line up as many as 50 deaf mutes, and everyone gets healed? Yeah. I I asked the Lord for a notable sign that could not be disputed. And I would tell the people, if they're not healed, you don't have to believe what I'm saying. Because the Bible says that God confirmed the word— with signs following. God's miracles are God's amen to the message that's preached. And especially in evangelistic ministry, uh, maybe we'll come back to this point, but let me just throw it out there. Evangelism without miracles will only reach semi-religious people. If we're going to reach religious people or non-religious people, atheists, Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, the only way it will happen is by the miracle power of God. Because you hold up your black book, and they hold up their black book. You talk about your God, they talk about their God. You talk about your religion, you talk about, they talk about their religion. Uh, it's got to be, in the words of uh, Elijah, let the true God answer by fire. Now, just out of curiosity, uh, when you make such a statement, aren't you a little nervous in front of so many people uh, that if these people aren't healed, I'm a false, uh, a false minister? I mean, uh, I I cannot honestly say to you that there have not been times where I thought, well, here goes. If it doesn't happen, I I got a problem. But God is faithful. 
and he's never let me down. I guess the boldness of faith. But I know that there's an anointing in that area. When I stand up, I know that I'm dealing with um, spirits, demonic forces that have to submit to me in the name of Jesus because I come with God's divine commission, and it's in the name of Jesus. I tell people. Some people say, oh, you claim to heal the sick. I don't claim to do anything. I'm just the servant of God. I claim that Jesus heals the sick. And to be to be honest, I tell people, I don't claim that these people are healed. They claim that they're healed. They're the ones who come to the platform and say, I've been healed. I can hear. And uh, I'll be with you on your TV program. Uh, you'll probably be able to tell us when that is. But we, we'll have some video footage where people will see people instantly healed by the power of God. That is- all, right, all right. I have to ask you about one particular person. Uh, this man... Uh, had his eardrum uh, burned out. He had no e- n- nothing inside to be able to hear. Tell me about him. Well, I always stick my fingers in their ears and command their ears to open. It's what Jesus did. And, and basically, if you want Jesus-type miracles, you've got to copy Jesus. What he did works, so why do it any other way? So I put my fingers in his ears, and I'm going down the line, putting my fingers in his ears, and I come to this man, and I put my finger in his ear, and my finger just disappeared inside his head. It was disgusting. And I said to him, what has happened to you? And he said, I'm a mechanic. I was working underneath a vehicle, and molten metal, red-hot molten metal, fell into my ear and burnt everything out. So then I explained to the people, I said, he doesn't need a healing. He needs a miracle. There's a difference between a healing and a miracle. Healing is a repairing something that's there, but he don't have something there. God has to recreate something that's no longer there, and that's called a miracle. And so I prayed that God would work a miracle and recreate what was missing. And as i praying this, my finger's still in his ear, and it feels like there's little mice running around my finger. And, and my finger suddenly starts getting pushed out of his head until when I put my finger back again, I can feel a normal eardrum there. When I spoke... He could hear perfectly, and he repeated everything I said, and the crowd, of course, went wild. Um, and, and, you know, in the natural, it's impossible to hear when your eardrum has been removed. Now, now the secular media uh, came after you as a fraud, but instead, what did yeah. they report? Yeah, well, what happened was I was invited by Pastor Sebastian from Coyaba, Brazil, to open the world's largest church building. He'd just finished building it. It had taken 11 years to build, and he'd built it debt-free. And he asked me to come and open the church and, and to do some miracle meetings to, to launch this new church building. It's a, I think it's 60,000 seaters. Beautiful, incredible. As I said, he built it debt-free over 11 years. When he had money, he built. When he didn't, he stopped building. And so the, the church, I didn't ask him to do that. They put up pictures, my pictures all over the city with the banners that said, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear. And the newspapers came to him and said, we're going to be in every service because we want to prove that you're a fraud and we're going to say that this church is a fraud and close it down. Well, Pastor Sebastian was very concerned because here he is. He's- uh, you know what? Our time is slipping away, but they, they, they literally printed that this, these are honest, sincere miracles. And, and we saw it with our own eyes. Now, now, Peter, you have spent 35 years walking with God. People don't have the time to accumulate the knowledge that you have. And your 12 booklets called Power 
in your pocket. It covers the revelations you have on blessings, on healing, on finances, on the suddenlies of God. Even And I can picture people taking one booklet every day and having it in their pocket. And when they have a few minutes, just tasting the revelation one after another after another. We're making these 12 booklets called Power in Your Pocket available for a gift of $40. Call our order only line 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. You were going to a meeting and there was a woman waiting for you in a taxi. That sounds unusual to me. Yeah, it's especially unusual in East Anglia, in the part of England where I was born, because most people, they they never leave their town or whatever, and a journey of seven or eight miles is like a lifetime's journey. Today, we travel 30, 40 miles in America. People travel up and down the freeway, but when you're going down little country lanes, it takes forever. And so she's there waiting in this taxi, and when she sees me, she looks at me strangely, and she said, Peter... And I look at her and think, I don't know who you are. Who are you? Because I was just a young man. And I said, do I know you? She said, no. She said, the Lord told me to come here and to give you a word. He said he'd show me who Peter was. And uh, I said, were you coming to the service? She said, no. I got the taxi to bring me here. And once I've given you the message, I'm going home. I'm just here to give you this message. God says you'll take my healing message and my healing power to the world. I thought, strange woman at the time. I I just was shocked. Did you think that could possibly be God at that moment? Well, I was a a reasonably new Christian. I'd known the Lord a couple of years, but I was so hungry to serve him and so wanted to see his miracle power. And so I think God responds to hunger. Okay, so this woman in this taxi gives you this message. Uh, You go into the building. What happens next? Well, the preacher, his name was Edgar Webb. He's been dead now since about 1978. I think he died, 77, 78. And and he was a a tall, thin Malaysian man that had received the anointing through Catherine Coleman just before she had died. And uh, in England, many people had told wonderful stories about his ministry, how he was dying in hospital one time, and the Lord told him, Edgar, I've healed you. Get up, you can go home. And he prayed for everyone in the ward, and they're all healed. And I'd heard all these stories about him. And uh, By the way, that's what Catherine Coleman used to prophesy, that in the last days, Christians would go into hospitals and clear out everyone. And I believe where uh, he was kind of a fore, uh, forerunner of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was his his kidneys and and not very few people know much about him because he was just such a man of prayer. He stayed in some of my friends' homes, and they said, you know, four in the morning they'd walk past his room and he'd still be sitting there in a chair with a blanket around him because he was an old man, just praying all through the night. He would. Uh, one of my friends had an evangelistic team, and they arranged five minute intervals that they'd bring the members of the team into the room, and he'd sit them down and tell them their life story, and then they'd leave crying, and then the next one would come in. He just had such a, a live link with God. But I'd never met him before, I'd never seen him, I had no idea who he was. I was sitting in the middle of about 250 people. I was just a young man in jeans and a t shirt, didn't really look much like preacher material. And he walked out. And he didn't preach. He walks out, and we're all singing the hymn, To God Be the Glory, Great Things He Has Done. And we're halfway through the hymn, and suddenly he said, Stop! 
And everybody would look shocked. You know, we weren't singing that bad. He said, stop. And then he pointed at me and said, you boy, come here. I was terrified. I'm looking around to check that it's me and everybody's saying yes <laughs> to you. He said, you boy, come here. So I came to the front absolutely terrified. I didn't know God as well as I know. And I'm thinking, what have I done wrong? I thought God was about to tell everyone I'd done something wrong. Uh, and, and he laid hands on me and he prophesied exactly the same words. You'll take my healing message and my healing power to the world. The same thing this woman gave you as you were walking in, the identical message. Well, what is it in the word of two or more witnesses? Let everything be confirmed. <laughs> that yeah. you, you had your confirmation. Um, out of curiosity, when uh, did he pray for you? Did something happen to you when he laid hands on you that you were you discerned? Yeah, I fell under the power of the Spirit. Uh, about five times I got up and went down again, and in the end I crawled back to a chair, and I just sat there. And after this, I think from memory, I think he read a poem, and then he walked out. That was the end of the service. He didn't do anything else. But then later on he told some friends of mine, God had told him he was there just to pass on the anointing, and once he'd passed on the anointing, he was going home, and he went home. I did see him one more time after that, and and uh, I said, Edgar, do you remember me? I hadn't written to him. I had had no. I, I just the moment he saw me, he said yes. He said the Lord told me to give you the anointing, and now I'm going home. And so uh, at the end of the service, everybody's milling around, and this man comes up to me, a very large man, and he said, Would you pray for me to receive the Holy Spirit? So I'm looking for the preacher because I, I didn't know how to pray. And he said, not him, you. You're the one who got the prophecy. And as I touched him, he fell under the power of the Spirit. And he was so big, he knocked everybody flying. And everybody turns around to see what's happening. And here I am just finishing my prayer. And uh, th that, that's how God threw me out into ministry. Now, just out of curiosity, before he laid hands on you, did you pray for uh, people, and did they, were they affected by the Spirit of God like like happened then? No, no, I'd not been praying with people um, other than one-to-one -one with friends or things, but there'd been no notable healings or miracles. But, but were people, did people fall over in the Spirit when you prayed for them before? Not beforehand, no, but from that moment onwards, it happened everywhere. In fact, it was quite frightening because... I'd walk, I walked through a graveyard and people were falling under the power of the Spirit. I remember once I came into the bathroom, the men's toilet, and people fell out. I, I walked into a kitchen in a church and people were under the Spirit. Here I am, I'm just a young man, and I go to preach in this Anglican church, and every single person in the building fell in the Spirit, and I'm the only person standing. Um, I remember when an old lady fell in the graveyard as I'm walking to the service, I walk past her and she falls to the ground, and I'm taking a pulse. I thought, I'm, they're going to blame me if, she, if she's dead, but she wasn't dead. The anointing was just so intense. Now, it says in my notes that you've been ministering for 35 years, and you have never missed a service due to sickness. That, that sounds phenomenal to me. And it also says that you feel 20 years younger than you are. Comment on that. Yeah, it, it's funny. In fact, people guess when they see me, and I, I, I don't know, maybe when they see me on TV, they're going to say, no, I believe it. But people guess that I'm 20. People that don't know me think I'm 20 years younger than I really am. Um, it, it was very funny. One of my staff was in Home Depot with me the other day, and uh, 
he's carrying something. And the lady says, why don't you let the young ones carry it? And looking at me, and I said, I'm, I'm over 10 years older than he is. Uh, you know, so the Lord's renewed my youth. You see, again, we don't have time to cover this, but the Bible says he renews my youth. People claim he pays my bills, he, he heals my body. But how many people claim he renews my youth? And I believe in youth renewal. The Bible says, if that same spirit that raised up Christ Jesus from the dead dwell in you, it will quicken your mortal body, which means it will quicken means bring back to life your mortal or death-destined body. So if the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, it will bring back to life your death-destined body. And so there's two forces. For the world, they're getting older and older and older all the time. But the Christian has this force within them that the spirit that dwells in you will quicken your mortal body from the inside. That's working from the inside out to restore us, to restore our youth. And so I live in divine health. God's been very good. And uh, as I said, I didn't say I've never felt unwell. The devil will try attacking everybody with sickness. I remember once in Africa, I was I, I got a bit of a fever, and it would have been so tempting to have said, "I'm too ill. I'm not going to go to the service." But I went there. And as I, they propped me up with a chair, and I'm preaching Christ the healer, and suddenly the anointing came on me. I was healed. I kicked the chair away. I went to the service, and I have this thing. I told the devil, devil, if you ever try to put anything on me, I'm going to the service that night to take it off 10 other people and see at least 10 other people healed to teach you a lesson that you don't mess with me. And so uh, I, I started praying for other people for what the devil had tried putting on me and getting them healed. Yeah, you know, I find that myself when the, when the devil puts symptoms on me, I look for people that have those same conditions and want to pray for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I'm angry at the devil. <laughs> we're in we're in a war, but we've got to let the devil know who's boss, Jesus Christ that lives within us and has delegated his authority to us. And so when I see sickness, I I, I see it as a squatter in the temple of the Holy Ghost. And, and it has no right to be there. And I come with authority in Jesus' name to tell the sickness to get out of people's body. I know you, you've got a set of my books that you're going to be sharing later on. And I teach people how to stand, how to receive your healing. One of the books is called How to Receive Your Healing and Keep It. Because some people get the healing and then they lose the healing. And, and it's important not only how to get healed, but how to keep your healing. So I would encourage people to get these books that, that you'll be sharing about later. Because I want to equip you. I think you called it power in your pocket. I want to equip you to live in divine health, to receive miracles. Uh, uh, as I often put it, how to receive Christ's healing and then pass it on, how to minister it to others. Uh, well, listen, we we waste so much time. You go into, uh, say, uh, a, a, a um, an attorney's office, a doctor's office, a dentist's office, and you're sitting in the waiting room. What if you had one of these 12 power-in-your-pocket booklets and you were able to read this and redeem the time. Get the same anointing that is resting on Peter Gammons. I mean, he had the most marvelous results when he was pastoring. Uh, I, I believe you told me that not one person died. How many years were you pastoring? Yeah, I pastored for... It was. It, I didn't realize until I left the pastoral ministry that it had been a miracle. I pastored for 12 years, um, up to 2,000 members, and but the majority of my members were seniors. Many of them were 80, 90 years old. Many and over all that period of time, no one died. Let's pick up uh, uh, right after you got that, um, that anointing. Tell me what was going on. Yeah, I, 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 after that, 
I told the story in our last program how the man came up and said, pray for me to be filled with the Spirit. And uh, he was a big guy, and he fell under the power of the Holy Spirit and knocked everybody flying. And people literally came up to him in that service and said, do you have any Sundays free this year? Would you speak to our youth group? Would you come to our home fellowship? Would you come to this group? And God threw me out into ministry that way. I thought it was funny, you know, would you come to... Do you have any Sundays free this year, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah, the whole year. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. Only only 52. You know, um, we we uh, that's how God threw me out into ministry. And I started doing things. I remember a house meeting near Cambridge. They bought this man who was deaf. God healed him of deafness, but he, was, he had crutches. And he came on crutches, and he left on crutches. Then they contacted me and said that... A week later, they contacted me and said he'd thrown his crutches away and bought a bicycle. And um, these kind of stories continued. I, I imagine that you were you were so thrilled, so amazed that God was using you. Yeah. And what had happened was somebody had given me a copy of T.L. Osborne's books, one of his books on healing the sick. And I read about these miracle crusades where people were being healed en masse. And that registered in my heart, you know, there's too many people in the world to pray one-on-one with everybody. We need to see a, a, a mass outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I was going for a little service near Huntingdon in England, and um, the newspapers called to find out what was going to happen. And they thought that I would say, you know, Mrs. Brown will play the piano, and Mrs. Smith did the flower arrangement. But I said... The God is going to move. The blind are going to see. The deaf are going to hear. The lame are going to walk. I was so full of faith. And the reporter was so shocked, they put the phone down. They thought, this guy's crazy. Well, it didn't happen because the blind, deaf, and dumb didn't turn up at the service. But then they invited me to Africa. What had happened was a missionary was leaving Tanzania, and he didn't want to go back on his own. And he asked if I come with him to help him pack up and come home he would arrange some services for me in Africa. And so I was so excited. I went there in my little safari suit. My mother had got me out like a little David Livingstone. <laughs> and uh, the drives out into the countryside, they set up these speakers. We'd got the Land Rover there. And as I stand to speak, I look at the people, and I don't know what to talk about because they're so different to me. I, I remember once talking about follow-up, that you don't bring a baby to birth and leave it on the doorstep. They didn't have doorsteps, you know. Um, and, and as I look out on them, most of them were wearing Muslim hats and Muslim gowns. And I suddenly thought, why should they believe me? And I began to doubt. I thought, why should they? But this little guy turns up from England in his little safari suit, telling them they've got to follow Jesus. Why should they believe me? And then something rose up inside of me that said, because it's true. And I stood up and I said something very politically incorrect. I hope I can get away with saying it, but I'm, I've got to tell you what I said, whether you like it or not. I said, Muhammad is dead, Buddha is dead, but Jesus is alive. But don't just take my word for it. He's going to prove it by healing the sick. I want everyone who's blind to come forward. And then I suddenly thought, what did I just say? Uh, did, did, did you do a, what's known as a mind bypass? It came out of your mouth before you realized what you were going to say? Yeah, because I just didn't know what to say to these people. I felt so different and so distant. I said, and so I said this, I said, if there's anyone who's blind, come forward. And I thought, what did I just say? Well, what happened was the local blind beggar was walking along behind the, the Land Rover. He hadn't been in the service. He wasn't attending the service. And they grabbed him and brought him forward. And when they brought him forward, everyone else stopped coming forward. It was like, well, if it doesn't work for him, we won't bother. And I prayed for him. 
and suddenly begins to jump up and down and shout out, I can see, I can see. And the most amazing thing, I remember it as if it was yesterday, he begins to describe the mountains. We meet more people in a week than these people meet in a lifetime. They, they live and marry and die with a small community of people. And all of his life, he'd heard the stories and the folklore about these mountains, but he'd never seen them. And now he can see them for the first time in his life. And he's describing the majesty of these mountains. When he said that, they brought other blind people for it. I remember this lady, uh, she had just white. There was no color there in her eyes. And she had like a, a, a cloth over her head to keep the dust out of her eyes. And as I prayed, I saw color coming until she had the most beautiful eyes and she could see. And then I said, I want those who are deaf to come forward. Nobody came. I said, I know you're here. They said, they can't hear you. So I said, those are with someone who's deaf, bring them forward. And then I said, those who are crippled, bring them forward. And they brought all these people forward. Honest to God, at the end of that crusade, I went to the missionaries and pastors, and I told them, go out among the people and see if you can find anyone who was not healed. They came back to me and said, we could not find one single person who was not totally and instantly healed. Tell me about that, that amazing story of the man that was deaf and mute in Brazil. Yeah, it was incredible. There was such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit across South America. I had a seven-year period where I was ministering across Brazil. And uh, city after city, we saw revival break out. Many of them had not had an evangelistic crusade in 30, 40 years. And... Uh, I remember one man, this, this particular man, I was preaching. I hadn't even prayed for his healing. And suddenly he starts making these noises like, and I'm looking around wondering what this noise is. So I stop and I said, what's happening down there? And then the, some people started shouting things out. So I said, come here, come and tell me. And they came to the platform. I said, what's happening? They said, this man here, he, he's been deaf and mute from birth. And he works for General Motors. Everybody in the city knows him, they said. And, and, and now he can hear and he can speak. So I said, does anybody else know him? And this woman put her hand up and said, come here. I said, who are you? She said, I'm his wife. She said, he's been deaf and mute, never made a sound all of his life. And now he can hear and he, he's beginning to try to speak. And, and, and the noise was so loud, he kept putting his hands over his ears. And, and, and God healed him. And the next day, the story spread throughout General Motors. Tell every, I'm told by the pastor, everybody knew about this healing that took place. I ended up having to move from the church to the football stadium, the soccer stadium it was. Now, of course, that's the spot that they love in Brazil um, to get the people in. And we saw that time and time again all across Brazil. We filled the largest soccer stadiums and sports arenas uh, as the power of God came down and healed. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And I, I believe it's so important in these end times. You know, we've got a church that's got a lot of theory, but we need the power of God to be demonstrated. I, I, I want to go to church, a church where the power of God is demonstrated. I want to support preachers where the power of God is demonstrated, not just where we hear the talk, but where we see the power of God. And that's the thing that I believe is going to turn people to Christ. I've seen it all over the world. I've seen tens of thousands of Muslims, precious Muslim people, precious Hindu people, precious Buddhist people, turn to Jesus Christ when they have seen his miracle power. Because most people don't realize that God wants them whole. Now, this power in your pocket set of books of mine that you're going to be sharing with the partners, I've shared many things. One of them 
It's called divine healing questions and answers. Most people don't understand that. They think that God is their problem. They don't realize that sickness is not from God. They don't realize we have authority over sickness in Jesus' name. Faith is simply the absence of doubt. And to get rid of the doubt, you have to have revelation from the Word of God. What I share in these books came to me as revelation from God. You won't hear anybody else say it. And I believe these books are going to be so important to you because they're going to bring revelation to your spirit so the devil cannot rob you anymore. The devil is a liar, and the only way he can rob the believers is by tricking them. But the only way we can defeat him is by having knowledge of the word. And, and when he does, we know, devil, you're a liar. I reject that in Jesus' name. We need to come with authority in Jesus' name. Now, you know, you have so many different topics. It's sort of like, I think what God had you do is pour out the revelations you've picked up over the last 35 years in 12 little booklets called Power in Your Pocket. Why is it called Power in Your Pocket? Because I want you to take one with you every day, wherever you go, and you have a lunch break. Read a couple of pages. You're, you're waiting in a doctor's office. You're, you're waiting uh, for, in a dentist's office. Uh, what, you have time that you're just wasting. And I believe that as you walk in revelation knowledge, particularly the anointing that is on Peter is on this material. He had covered such subjects as Israel, power of blessing Israel how to receive your healing, and also, just as important, how to keep your healing, how to have financial breakthroughs, how God works through suddenlies. And as Peter said, the questions and answers about healing, uh, even his revelation about what the first church was like and about house meetings. Uh, And I love the one that's 20 keys to financial breakthroughs These are revelations from a man that has walked with God for 35 years, moves in a miracle anointing, and I want this to get inside of you and inside of your spirit. We're making Power in Your Pocket available for a gift of $40. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 1-800-447-2697. Two six nine seven. Peter, you start. You prophesy to world leaders. Uh, tell me about one. Someone perhaps in the Philippines. Yeah, in the Philippines. Um, uh, I was. Uh, I, I saw this university lecturer, and uh, I, the spirit of prophecy came on me. I prophesied for six hours. I told her, "God's calling you to be the president of the Philippines, and you can change the nation." And uh, I told her how the Lord was going to make her president. And uh, at the time, she was a university lecturer. She went from being a university lecturer to being a senator. And from senator, she went to a vice president. From vice president, she became president, served two, two terms as president. And um, I can't, with all honesty, say she took notice of everything I said. And at one point, I did get in trouble because I was invited to, to see her Christmas Day, and, and, and I bought us another word from the Lord that was much stronger uh, about not doing some of the things that he said she should do. And so, you know, um, 
I don't just bring, you know, so often today people are looking for personal prophecy. And because people hear that I move in the prophetic, they all, well, has God got a word for me? And I call it, I say, yes, it's called the Bible. (laughs) I'm looking for a personal word. The word of God tells me, if I never got a personal prophecy again, it wouldn't bother me. But I do believe that God raises up prophets primarily to to prophets and kings are the two roles that he raised up and he brings the prophet to speak into the lives of the kings and god has used me in in that prophetic way there are many many examples uh david cameron the current prime minister of britain i wrote to him several years before he was president and said i want to be the first person to congratulate you that you are going to be the president the next uh, prime minister of britain i want to be the first to congratulate you long before there was any elections and then afterwards uh, i corresponded with him again to remind him that that i told him he would be prime minister long before he was even uh, in the ranks of the possible to be chosen i love to hear peter your the prophecies you've been given for world leaders uh, that have literally uh, been so correct and before the events occurred. I love prophecy that is from God. Uh, in the whole covenant, uh, it states uh, that God requires 100% accuracy. I love prophets that prophesy with accuracy. Tell me what happened in Trinidad. Yeah. Um, I went for a crusade in Trinidad, and uh, the former prime minister invited me to meet him. Um, I was at my hotel the night beforehand, and the Lord kept me awake all night, giving me revelation and words to share with him. And so the next morning when I saw him, I, I, my opening conversation, I shook hands with him and said, thank you very much. And he looked at me shocked and said, thank you for what? I said, because of you, I didn't get any sleep last night. Now he's looking even more confused. He said, what do you mean you didn't get any sleep last night because of me? I said, the Lord had me awake all night talking to me about you, and he's told me five things that you need to do. Well, I don't know what he thought the Lord had told me, but he suddenly said, would everybody leave the room, please? And so everybody else other than him and I, were, everybody else left the room. And then I told him these five things, and tears came to his eyes as he said, when I lost the election, I made a pledge to God that I would do five things. He said, I never told anyone else what those five things were. And he said, you're a true prophet of God because you've just told me the five things that I promised God I would do if I was elected. And I said, well, God told me, if you'll do these five things, you'll be back in office. Can you believe this? Within weeks, the Congress threw out the new prime minister that had come into power There was a whole issue where he was put out for disobedience to the Congress. And uh, Patrick Manning, the man I decided to, was put back in office as prime minister and was back in power again. You know, you prophesy to world leaders, but I believe your gift of teaching is literally prophesying. Uh, Tell me what God told you about uh, your teaching gift that you've put in the 12 booklets called Power in Your Pocket? Well, many years ago, I, 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 by, I, I have three earned degrees, and um, I love studying. I had one of the most beautiful libraries in Christendom. At one time, I had wall-to-wall leather-bound volumes. I had all mahogany bookcase and all these. And one day, the Holy Spirit said to me, give your book away and listen to me. And so I literally gave away my whole library 
and just me and the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And so what I'm sharing with you in these books are revelations that the Holy Spirit has shown me through the Word that you won't find in any other book. When some of the things the Lord showed me uh, have been incredible. For example, the Lord showed me how the devil robs the believer, that the devil cannot rob you on God's territory. He's got to get you over on his territory before he can rob you. And I teach this in this series, how to close the door on the devil. The devil, God showed me how faith is the, the absence of doubt and how through these books I'll share with you how to have faith to receive whatever miracle you need. Some of the things the Lord showed me, for example, like tithes and tithing, that it's an eternal principle. What, I've never heard another preacher say this, but the Holy Spirit showed me Adam fell because he took what God had not given him. And many people don't understand this. They're out the word of God. When you take what God has not given you, the devil has a right to take what God has given you. And that's why many Christians are being robbed by the enemy, because they're taking what God hasn't given them. And, 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 and I believe God wants his people financially blessed. Now, one of the books in that series is called God Wants You to Prosper. And, and the whole subject of prosperity has been controversial in the body of Christ. In fact, this book has spent the last 26 years locked up in a safe at the Evangelical Alliance in England. They asked me to address the subject at a conference, I think it was 26 years ago, and they were going to publish it, and instead it just got locked up in the archives. And, and this year, they released the article back to me. I haven't got a copy of it. And, I, and this is one of the Power in Your Pocket books that I'll be sharing with you. Uh, when I began to show that there's hundred I think it's 164 places in the Bible where it says God wants his people to prosper. Uh, well, you, you know, you say something that I've never heard someone say before, that w- when it talks about God wanting you to prosper, it's not an American doctrine, but it's a Hebrew doctrine and a much neglected truth. That's right. You'll never meet a Jew who believes they should be poor because they know the Bible too well. God wants his people to prosper. I, as I was studying the word yesterday, I began to see something afresh. That, that, and so this is fresh, that Jesus came to set up his kingdom on the earth. And his kingdom means the elimination of sickness and disease and poverty and pain and need. And the growing of the kingdom of God in your life is when God brings healing, when God brings divine provision, when God sets you free from the pains of the past. And these books will help take you from where you are now to where you want to be. And I want to tell you, if you don't get this teaching set, I believe you're going to miss something that God has planned for your life. And I say that because I believe they are a prophetic word from God to you. You say, Dr. Gammons, I want a prophetic word. I've shared it in these books. Now tell me about, because I found this fascinating in England, uh, about the, uh, you were in a convention in England, uh, and tell me about the hundredfold return, briefly. Yeah, um, we're talking about the, again, God taught me about the hundredfold return. It's a very funny story because I preached it, and the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation, in, in America you've got hundreds of channels. Up until recently in England we just had four BBC One, BBC Two, ITV, Independent Television, and Independent One and Two. And so the BBC called me and they said, we want to do an interview with you because um, a, a local vicar, a local minister said that you're a heretic. And so I did this interview, and it was over the air of the hundredfold return. He said, uh, and the interviewer said, is it true that you believe that God will give a literal hundred times what you plant as, and what you give to him? And I said what Jesus said, there's no one who's given for my sake in the kingdom who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time 
and in the life to come, eternal life. Jesus said it, not not 100%, but 100 to 1. And so God taught me this principle through his word. I said to this priest, because he said, uh, I don't believe you can take literally. I said, listen, the difference between you and me is we both claim to believe the Bible, but I believe the verses you don't. I said, if Jesus said it, that settles it for me. If you cannot take Jesus' word literally about the hundredfold, what can you take literally that he said? And so, um, but God put me to the test. I have a summer convention every year in England, and the bank gave me a £40,000 advance to pay for the publicity and the advertising and the hire of the venue. We used to hold it in a field, and and so I had to rent the field and rent marquees and tents for the event. And the bank gave me this £40,000, which is about $80,000. They gave me this uh, advance. And one day the bank manager retired and a new bank manager took over. And suddenly he said, I can't believe it. We're we're loaning this man £40,000, $80,000, unsecured. And he's not even one of our customers. I didn't even have a bank account with him. And, And so he called me into his office. He said, you no longer have a loan from the bank. You have a debt. It was £40,000. And I didn't have that kind of money. Um, whenever it's come in, I've always spent it taking the gospel to the world. And uh, so uh, I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, we've got this problem. I need £40,000. And God spoke to me. Do you know what he said? <laughs> he said, you know what to do. But I didn't want to hear that. I said, Lord, I know what to do, but I don't want to do that. I want you to work a miracle. He said, you know what to do. And I knew I had to plant a seed, a hundredth of what I needed. And this is what I've taught people to do and what I believe works. I divided all my debts by 100 and planted a hundredth of what I needed as a seed for the hundredfold return. Uh, we're, we're running out of time. What happened, Peter? Cut a long story short, I planted the 400 pounds as a seed for the hundredfold return. This couple came to visit me. They'd never given me more than 20 pounds in their whole life. And, and uh, they, they came to see me. They leave, and I think, why did they bother to come and see me? They didn't seem to talk about anything. And then as they left, they said, look behind the curtain. And there behind the curtain was a check for 40,000 pounds. My guest, Peter Gammons, does not just teach. He takes the Word of God and gets revelation from the Word of God. And some of these revelations, I have to tell you, you have never heard before. For instance, your revelation on the names of God. Teach a little bit on that, Peter Gammons. Yeah. You know, when when I studied theology, they had this theory that the, the book of Genesis wasn't written by Moses. It had several authors, the Elohist author, the Yahwehist author, because there's different names for God, and they thought that these different uh, authors had written parts and used different names. But God gave me revelation on this. As I'm studying the Word, He began to show me that we need to encounter God in the order that He reveals Himself by His names in the Bible. And then once I saw that, He began to show me how Abraham, for example, met with him first as Elohim, then as Yahweh, then as Adonai, then as El Shaddai, the the God who provides for all of our needs. And then the same thing happened to to Isaac. And I teach this in my book, El Shaddai, which is part of the Power in Your Pocket series that you're offering to the, the listeners this week. So you need to get that because I share that. First of all, God reveals himself as Elohim, the God to whom nothing is impossible, the creator God, 
in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And so first we need to know God is the great creator, God. But then something interesting happens in chapter 2 of the book of Genesis. When God creates man, he reveals himself by a new name, which is Yahweh, the loving redeemer. And, and so, uh, well, first of all, we need to know God in his greatness, but then we need to get an intimate relationship with God. And this is, for example, the devil believes in Elohim, but he doesn't know Yahweh. And many people, they say, well, I believe in God. Surely I'll go to heaven. It's not believing in God. It's knowing Yahweh that's the important thing. And so we've got to move beyond knowing God, although we need to know God's creative power, his great power, and that's greater than any need we'll ever encounter. Needs are just an opportunity for a miracle. But then we need to get to know him intimately as Yahweh. So first of all, I'm, I, I believe in God, but then I get to know him as Yahweh. But then in the next name God reveals himself is the word Adonai, which means Lord. The name that's the primarily same name that's used for, the, for, for Jesus in the New Testament. And it's the one to whom we surrender. We're not talking about a God who's out to dominate. We're looking out for a God who's looking to protect. Now, it's important that you understand that. The devil roams around seeking whom he may devour. That means he can't devour anybody. He's trying to find those who he can devour. And, and when we surrender to God, we close the door on the devil. And that's the important thing. The devil cannot rub. And this is one of the things that I've taught throughout this 12-book series that's being offered. When you, You've got to know how to close the door on the devil in your life. Because the devil, some people say, well, God's going to give me back what the devil stole. We give the devil an opportunity to steal. We mustn't give the devil an opportunity. We mustn't give him an advantage. We've got to learn how to close the door on the devil so he can rob us no more. And then we meet with him as, as Adonai, our Lord. And only then did God reveal himself as Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh Jireh, the Lord our provider. And then as El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough, the God who can meet every need that we have in abundance. Now, here is the problem I see in Christianity. People are trying to get their needs met by El Shaddai before they've surrendered to Adonai. They're trying to get their needs met by God before they've understood the greatness of Elohim. They're trying to get their needs met before they've been healed of the hurts inside and got to realize that Yahweh is the loving, caring Redeemer. Isn't it wonderful? He calls himself the Redeemer even before man's lost. Uh, what you pointed out, which is so amazing, it is a progressive revelation of knowing God when you know the names of God. I've never seen that before. And and, and that that's just one of your little booklets. Uh, but... I, I want to go back to the way God speaks to you. In 2005, uh, God said America was under a financial curse and for you to sell your house. I, I bet there are a lot of people listening to us that wish they got that word in 2005. Well, this is the, uh, a very interesting thing. As I've said, none of the partners of my ministry, anyone who listened to me, lost anything during the financial challenges. Another thing that I told the parts of my ministry was uh, to sell all their stocks and shares. I told them, and, and this is in public writing, that I said, uh, I said that the, the, uh, the directors of these companies, they're spending all your money on yachts and luxury cars. Uh, and I told people, do not invest in what you do not control. And, and those who listened to me saved millions, and some of them billions, those who didn't lost millions. And, and some lost their life savings. But the Lord told me, he said, America is under financial curse. 
And when he told me that, it was with a real sadness, like he wanted something to be different. We need to understand God doesn't curse us, we curse ourselves. And, and the Lord said, the reason is uh, the majority of my people are not tithing. And the Bible says that we, God said to Israel, you're cursed with a curse. Even this whole nation bring the tithes. When we rob God, we give the devil an opportunity. As I said in the last program, when you take what God has not given you, the devil has a right to take what God has given you, and God has no right to stop him. And so we're involved in a battlefield. We need to level with God. We need to be faithful with God. God will be, be faithful with us. There's another little book in this series called First Fruits, which talks about when we put God first, he puts us for, first. And the first fruit secures the second fruit or the harvest. And so all that I'm sharing with you, and I am only able to scrape the surface, surface in these programs, but all that I share is there in this power in your pocket set. And the Lord showed me, sell your house. And so I got it with a massive mortgage when I first got it and put, put a little bit down. I sold it at the peak. And, and uh, when everybody else was buying, 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 I was selling, selling, selling. And so I sold everything. And the Lord said, don't spend it. Just put it in an account and leave it there. And that's what I did. And, and they even showed me where to put it. And, 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 of course, when the market dropped, the Lord said, now you can buy a house again. And so the whole thing was turned around. As I always say, every man's bad day is someone else's good day. And when you listen to the Spirit of God, and, and I could tell you story after story about people being saved from crisis because they learned to listen to the Spirit of God. Now, now I, I want to go back to that story. In 2005, God told you America was under fi a financial curse because— uh, and God had no option uh, because most of the believers were not tithing. What does God mean by tithing? Well, I, mean, I believe it means that you put God first. The first of everything we receive belongs to the Lord. And we need to understand, and I've taught this in this book series, that the tithe sanctifies the rest. When you give it to God, it sanctifies the rest. Jesus was God's first fruit that sanctified the rest. When Abraham gave his first legitimate child to God, it sanctified the rest. And that means if I, if I most people, they, they pay the, the AT&T, they pay the phone bill, they pay the government, they pay everyone else. For, and if they've got anything left, they would give it to God, which is why they never have anything left, because it's not sanctified and it's not blessed. But when I put God first, he multiplies it. I've had people say to me um, that uh, they, they say, um, I didn't think I could afford to tithe, but now I'm glad that I did. And we need to understand, we need to be led by the Spirit where we put our tithes, too. There's too much legalism. Some people say, well, you have to put it in the local church, or you have to put it in this ministry, or you have to do this. You have to, the Bible says the tithe belongs to the Lord. You need to ask God where you put it, and you need to obey the Spirit of God. Because if you give it to someone because they tell you that it belongs to them, you're not going to be blessed. You're going to abort the harvest. Uh, you know what I do with it, Peter? What, what I do with my tithe is I personally give some to the local church, uh, but I give most of it to Jewish evangelism. And I might add, our ministry gives money. We give money to people that usually don't get it, people that are evangelizing Jews all over the world. And I can honestly say in all of the years I've walked with the Lord, which is now 40 years, 
I've never had a need financially. Uh, I Well, I take it back. When we first started the ministry, we had a tough time. But in many, many years, we have never had a problem. I'm convinced it's because I personally give money in the tithe, and the ministry gives money. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Well, that's that's exciting, isn't it? And I believe that's true. I believe the majority of our tithes and offerings should be going into world evangelism because Jesus said this gospel of the kingdom must be preached to every creature and then will the end come. Jesus will return when the gospel has been taken to every creature. But of the two po- of the 6.4 billion people in the world today, 2.4 billion have still never heard the gospel. So that's why our priority, and I know you do it with your television and radio. I'm doing the same with our television broadcast. I'm trying to go where the gospel has not been taken because I want every person to hear the gospel. I believe the day will come where the Father will say, Son, it's done. Finally, the last person has heard the gospel go and call my children home, and then the dead in Christ will arise first, and we which are alive and will be caught up together in the air. And and the only thing that counts, Peter, and you know this, is souls. He who wins souls is wise. The only thing you take to heaven is souls. Now, this is uh, the Shabbat broadcast, and I want to bring you such supernatural peace. I want you to get these 12 pocketbooks of revelation knowledge that God gave Peter called Power in Your Pocket. We're making them available for a gift of $40. This Shabbat broadcast, the Lord has blessed you. The Lord has kept you. The Lord has smiled upon you. And the Lord has gifted you. And the Lord has favored you, and the Lord has given you his shalom, his completeness in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. In the name of the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, Yeshua HaMashiach Tzikenu, Jesus the Messiah, our righteousness. To hear this week's interview in its entirety, or to watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpacha or Chalitzim, Write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 1918, Brunswick, Georgia, 31521. Or call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 912-265-2500. That's 912 912- 
265-2500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation of $10 or more to Sid Roth, that's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 1918, Brunswick, Georgia, 31521.